terrorize the world. Hello everyone, I'm Brian, and I'm Nick, and you're listening to the podcast from the Black Lagoon. Today we are covering the 2018 Halloween movie. This is an episode that will be filled with spoilers. We're doing a complete open discussion about this movie. So in a nutshell, um, this film takes place 40 years after the Haddonfield Massacre. Um, Myers escapes from a mental institution while he's being transported to another one, and he continues his killing spree. We figure out that Laurie Strode has lived a life of trauma and preparation. She's getting ready for the inevitable return of Michael Myers. There's a bit of familial disputes that we kind of dive into with her daughter and her granddaughter, both of which don't really add up to much in the first part of the film. Really, this is a story about Myers reuniting with Laurie Strode and um, taking a few people out in the process. So James Jude Courtney was the guy that played Michael Myers in this film. I really liked the look. Him as as Myers looked awesome with the newly introduced brutality. And he's like, what, 60? Is he really? This fucking takes place 40 years later. Uh, So 1978 all the way to 2018. There's a uh, one, I was reading a review from a film critic, and he made a really interesting point about how if there's any anything we can really pull out of this movie it's an interesting dynamic that when when people try to understand evil when they try to study it when they try and figure things out about it like the podcast is they're trying to do a story on it when they try to revive it try to make sense of it bad things happen and i think that's a really neat insight because the two podcasters are they're you know they're following a story they don't have a very nice fate you know, Laurie Strode, she's trying to defend against it. She isn't trying to understand it or get it. And she has a great line when um, the podcasters come in to visit her. And she said, there's nothing new to learn. There are no new insights or discoveries, period. This isn't a story, all right? This is a real living thing out there. And he's coming and he's going to get us and we need to prepare for it. Uh, one of my favorite lines uh, from Jamie Lee Curtis um, when she when she asked one of the podcasters, "You don't believe in the boogeyman, do you?" And you know that just goes to show you how incompetent and uh, how naive um, these people are. They don't know what's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, this is just a story to them. Like they introduce themselves to Laurie Strode. And they talk, oh, we're award-winning podcasters. We have two exposés under our belt, and and we do true crime stories. And she's like, okay, this isn't a true crime story. This guy is out there, and he's going to break out, and I'm preparing for it. And look, like, she's kind of selling her new, almost like doomsday prepper-type lifestyle as, like, a way people should be. The world is evil. You need to do this. You need to take precautions. You need to be careful. And they're coming at this from a true crime podcaster standpoint, it doesn't mesh they're talking about rehabilitation they're talking about having her sit down and talk to michael myers like it's like a 60 minutes episode and it's just like she's saying we're in completely different worlds but like 
I think my life is on the line. I think the people of Haddonfield's lives are on the line. This isn't a story that you get to cover. I thought that was kind of a cool dynamic between the two of them. So, basically, this whole film, the first half, it's a slow burn. It's kind of cheesy or corny or whatever. Uh, Campy. And then the second half... That's when shit gets real. That's when shit gets really serious and things become very brutal. Um, I remember asking you um, what your thoughts were on, you know, taking a movie from 1978, which had very little to no gore at all to make a, a sequel in 2018 where there's just a shit ton of gore and what they did with this film is half of the kills were off screen they were off screen deaths you didn't you could hear what was happening you know it wasn't like a direct cut um from them being killed you could like hear them like you know the bone crushing and everything and uh then there's um the full-on, just right-in-your-face violence. Like, what were your expectations for this film going into it? Yeah, I remember you asking me that question in the original Halloween episode we did. I, I was... My original stance, if you remember, was it's awesome that they're trying to revamp this. My question is, can you modernize it without losing what was essential to the original Halloween movie? I think in some ways they failed. I, it didn't have the atmosphere or the feeling that the original one did, but I think they really, it was well-helmed, it was well-acted. The dialogue for the teenagers was actually good. Like, I thought it was pretty well-executed. There were some jokes in this movie that landed for me, and I didn't expect that to happen. The violence, I thought, was pitch-perfect. Um, especially there's one sequence in the movie where we get to see Michael Myers wandering the streets on Halloween night, going in and out of houses. And I thought, I want an entire movie of this. They nailed it. The paranoia, the, the theme song playing, just the, all of it was great. It had the eeriness of the original film. And it made me wonder why the first half of the movie even had to exist. Even though the dialogue between the students was well executed, way better than the classic film, which got really campy, a little bit too campy for me. Um, and even though the storyline was okay, when I saw what this movie could have been, like the last half, I wondered why we, they even did all of that. What was the point of the party? What was the point of the, the teen drama? What was the point of the, fam the family dispute? If it's just to make these people characters, that bothers me because there are more effective ways to do that. It wasn't until like 40 minutes in that this really started picking up for me. There were some things about this movie that really irked me in the wrong way. It just... Like, there were some parts in this movie that I felt were lazy. They were due to lazy writing. Like, the whole the whole scene of the party um, where Laurie Strode's granddaughter, I can't remember her name for the life of me, you know, she's at a party with her boyfriend. And we, I like the costume idea, you know, the Bonnie and Clyde, but gender swapped. That, that was, like, that was cool and everything. Um she catches her boyfriend making out with another girl and uh 
she just like walks off and he confronts her and then he acts like oh total fucking dick and apparently he's an alcoholic too and this is like the first time ever fucking hearing of it it's like it just all this whole entire um set this whole scene of them arguing is just an elaborate excuse for her to lose her phone because he takes her fucking phone and throws it in a jar of pudding which at first i didn't know why what the hell that was in the first place what did you throw her phone into second of all why didn't you grab your phone out of the pudding i'm pretty sure you can clean that up i'm pretty sure like it's not water you know i that was just like really lazy you could have done a lot better and you know what that whole entire scene i've been like like listening to reviews and everything i've heard this multiple times um you know the goosebumps the new goosebumps movie there is a scene exactly like it where you know girlfriend catches boyfriend doing what they're not supposed to do wow and then, yeah that's very interesting yep now that that scene also set up um a moment later where um the granddaughter Lori Strode's granddaughter needs to be consoled by her other best friend who kind of makes a move on her and then that leads into another eventual and kill. I love I love this scene. He's talking to Michael Myers thinking that it's somebody else and he's like, you know, girls little girl problems and everything. And I made a I made like a quick little quip, a little joke uh for michael myers responding and saying yeah i've been chasing the same bitch for 40 years i got i i got a few (laughs) laughs in the crowd that was just like a perfect moment um so he's just like sitting there talking to michael myers and all you see is the shape in the darkness and then you know there's a light in the background it turns on turns off turns on turns off it's a motion sensor yeah which was a very cool mechanic for the movie i thought that scene was fucking terrifying especially when he finally stabs him you know that he's standing still watching him and the second michael myers moves it's gonna flick on and all we see is the knife and it's just like so brilliantly done and then he tries to was the kid tries to climb up the the fence and Lori's granddaughter is like, just climb the fence, stupid. No, d- you don't understand. There's a killer about to murder your friend. He He's about to die. Um, Because at this point, she's walked down the road. She's kind of left him, right? But then she decides to, like, come back and see the, the commotion. And you see her friend just impaled, like was it through his throat i think it was it was like up under his and mouth then you just see michael myers standing there staring at her and then the music kicks in that was a that was really well done i thought the the teenage actors that they chose they nailed it all of them were fun to watch like the acting wasn't um the uh laurie strode's daughter uh the mom of the granddaughter i didn't think she was very good that was the only actor that I thought did not do a good job. There was some of her line delivery just really made me kind of cringe. Did you, what were your thoughts on that? I kind of felt opposite. Really? I didn't like the dad. 
the dad was kind of rough too now that i think about it i didn't like the dad he was a lot worse than she she was his jokes didn't land too well for me like for instance ah i got peanut butter on my penis (laughs) i sat there i sat there for a second i was like did i fucking hear that correctly nope i got peanut butter on my penis how why why do you feel the need to announce that in front of your family first of all he he was very disposable like he was only there so he could be killed off yeah. like, later in the movie you know oh yeah i don't know why they gave him the quirks that they did but um yeah that yeah honestly um i yeah i didn't like the mom she had some line delivery near the middle of the film that was really noticeably bad that that's that's what i got from it um the granddaughter did a good job her friends did a good job um laurie strode was by far like she carried a lot of the film that was great um beyond that i thought the acting was pretty strong even the podcasters i thought did a good job um the the only the only weak weak sides to the film they tended to be like narrative ones for me it was well helmed the effects were good the acting was pretty good but there were narrative choices that just bothered me. I think that gets a lot better in the second half of the movie when there's a big tonal shift. But um, yeah, there were some weak, there were some weak scenes, and there were a few uh, shots that were really clear throwbacks to the original film. Um, I pointed out one in the classic Halloween episode that we did, where I was talking about how at Halloween I can see it introducing what would become cliches that all other horror films in the next few decades would start following. Um, one of them is the famous um, protagonist is in a classroom listening to the teacher give a shockingly relevant speech about fate, and then she looks out the window and there's something there. But this time it was Laurie Strode that was there, and they were talking about Victor Frankl on fate. He's a, that was kind of cool. I, I kind of liked that. And it basically, it's it's like showing that Laurie is the hunter now. She's mm-hmm. no longer the hunted. Yeah, and they do that again. Uh, with the balcony scene oh they do that like a lot the the balcony scene was awesome yeah i like that (laughs) oh my god Um, that that could have really easily been cheesy and i was worried that it would be but i think it was handled pretty well uh, well enough that i was like oh that's actually a kind of a valuable thing like you're right they're showing laurie as being more of an aggressor now she's she can defend herself she isn't a helpless victim so there's other things that that rubbed me the wrong way like um the forced loomis character so apparently this character he's been watching over michael myers and he's also been he was also studying underneath uh dr loomis's wing um and apparently like he's really fascinated with michael myers and everything and yada 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 but laurie strode says oh you're the new loomis um, I'm like, no, no, you're not. If anything, Laurie Strode's the new Loomis. So why do you, why do you think they included him in the story? Why would they go through the process of writing out all of his dialogue, giving him that strange kind of twist near the end of the film? What do you think the purpose of that was? Just for the simple point to have a twist in this movie. Do you think? I, f- I feel like it was just like, shit, we forgot we need a twist what are we gonna do 
I'll just was just add that we'll just throw this in there. I thought it was so it was so lazy. It was so stupid. There's a whole scene in the movie where the police officer, the sheriff, he he's driving and he has uh, he picked up Laurie Strode's granddaughter after um, after she was found when Michael Myers was hunting her. And he put puts her in the back of the car. In the passenger seat is the fake Loomis, or Numis, whatever, <laughs> Nomis, Numis. So they're driving, and Michael Myers steps out into the road, and fucking the sheriff's like, screw it, I'm ending this night. I'm going to gun it and fucking hit him head on. And he does just immediately impact, hits him, and then he just goes flying back, and fake Loomis gets out of the car and goes to check like for his pulse and the sheriff falls up behind him the fake Loomis is like you killed him I'm like what no N- no that that's not how this works that's not how any of this works whatsoever y- you can't you possibly have killed him so I had this like sinking feeling this whole scene where I was just like, please don't let that be true. And then all of a sudden, this fake fucking Loomis character, here comes the twist, by the way, pulls out a little pen, which is actually a knife, and stabs hit, stabs the sheriff in the throat, which I was really pissed off because I actually liked that character. Stabs him in the throat and just leaves him to die. Uh... You get a shot where Laurie Strode's granddaughter is in the back of the seat, and all of a sudden, you see fake Loomis putting on fucking... You don't even see him putting it on, putting the mask on. You just see him, uh, like, sort of, like, stand up in front of the, the window. And I'm like, don't do this. Don't don't make him the new killer. Don't, don't, for the love of God, don't fucking do this to me. But it turns out... Michael Myers isn't dead. It was just a ruse. Uh, like it scared the sh- it scared the shit out of me. He just he put on the mask, stood up, and then just took it off after he put Michael in the back seat again. It was kind of odd to me. He was kind of like, "Oh, this is what it feels like. What killing a person? Uh, yeah. Are you fucking psychotic?" To to go back to your um, earlier, I, I asked you to tell me like what what function do you think he served i I agree with you that it was largely to add that twist element into the film i also think this goes back to your point about lazy writing i think he was a poorly implemented character that was supposed to play out this theme of people wondering why michael myers is doing what he's doing and if that's even worth wondering about because he was one of the characters that kept really bringing up the points about why is he doing this what does it feel like what is he getting out of it he was talking before about if it's pleasurable or not for him to kill people to the cop in the car. And I think that was supposed to play out a theme that was kind of loosely in the film, and they just didn't implement it right. And then they turned him into this weird twist, like wannabe Michael Myers, that it's just, yeah, I, I think it was poorly done. I really do. And on top of that, that's it. He just dies in that same scene because Michael ends up killing him. I, but I love that scene though even though I hated I hated that fucking twist we got we got some like 
we got like a really good intense scene. I remember oh, what was it? Laurie Strode's granddaughter uh, was like talking to talking to him as he's driving the car, and he by the way he put Michael Myers in the back seat with her, and she's like, "Let me out," um, you know. And then she says, like, oh, he's he actually said something to me. Michael Myers actually, like, talked to me. And that got him, like, intrigued. Like, oh, what did he say? I, I, like, I want to know. And, and she says, like, stop the car and I'll tell you. And then, you know, she says that he only said one word. And the fake Loomis character asks, was it Judith? You know, saying, like, was it his, like sister's name and he wakes up i love that scene he just wakes up allison's like oh shit i'm gonna fucking (laughs) die and i'm thinking oh shit she's gonna fucking die nope he just kicks the cage in the back of the car and put like with sheer force just pushes it off the hinges and then this whole like you know Lori's granddaughter escapes and then there's this whole scene of you know fake Loomis on the ground and he's like say something say something say something and just stomp right on his fucking head his, his head explodes like a goddamn watermelon <laughs> I love that scene so much great way to kill off a shitty character yeah yeah that just like I love the heaviness and brutality of Michael Myers in this film. We did, we already talked about that street sequence that was really great, but there was just such a a weight and and grittiness to this movie that was so well done. And they could have made it a lot scarier if they kind of if they didn't dabble in all that kind of useless trite drama at the very beginning. They really could have played that up and made it what it was, um, because he's a force in this movie. It was really well and refi- it was well done and refined. When things were in his way, he would bash them down, break them down. Um, there's that scene at the gas station where we see what he did to the clerk, where his like jaw was opened up and his face was splattered onto the table. He's just, he's rough. And he just, how, how about the callback to, um, um, they, they did a scene where they did the sheets. That was, I liked that. It was predicted. And they pinned the guy in the, they pinned the guy on the wall. I like that one. That was pretty cool. I felt like the sheet thing was a little predictable. Really? I felt like, like oh, like you knew that the body was going to be under it? Yeah, I, I knew. Yeah. Um, there's one specific scene that I want to talk about. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of a weird scene. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how you feel about it. But when the father and son are driving the pickup truck and the dialogue between, you know, you know, Dad, dance is my, like, new thing I want to do. Like, I'll do, like, I'll go fishing and hunting with you over the weekends. But, like, I really want to dance. Like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, that that was rushed exposition, and it wasn't necessary. So, in my mind, they had, like, a screenwriting for dummies checklist on their table. And they're like, oh, how do we introduce characters? Oh, we give them a conflict, and then we humanize them. And that's what they did for the first 40 minutes of this film. They humanized people, they tried to, and gave a conflict with a lot of cliche, dumb stuff. The weakest part of the movie is by far the first half. They did that in, in a, like a little microcosm of that between the boy and the son. I mean, between the father and the son, where the boy is saying, 
like, well, dance is really important to me, dad. And then the dad says, are you sure you don't want to go hunting and fishing with your father who's, you know, sporting camo? And the son's like, I like that too, but I really want to be a dancer. And then I was like, okay, well, they're going to die. And then they stop and it's like, oh, okay, they're trying to make us feel for them. Very poorly done. It was way too overt and in your face. Um, but I did like, I did like that um, where it ended. I don't know. I don't want to jump ahead. So that part was not well done, but I like to go uh, ahead. So, you know, the dad, like they, they, they stop and the bus, the bus crashed and all the, uh, you know, institutionalized people are just wandering about. And that's an ode. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, a reference to the first movie. Very cool. Which I fucking loved. I, I love it in this film too. Um, they're just wandering around and uh you know the dad's like stay in the car i'll go check i'll go check it out and um he goes and he doesn't come back so the son decides to take it up to himself to go and see what what's happening so he grabs a rifle and uh he finds a police officer on the ground. You know, we get this great line from this dying cop. Run! Just that. Just said, like, just, that just, like, made my blood just chill. Which, the kid doesn't run. He <laughs> continues to investigate like fucking Scooby-Doo. Goes into the bus. And then fake Loomis pops up and is like, don't shoot kid shoots him freaks out (laughs) runs back to the truck tries to get the truck started and michael myers fucking kills him i'm like what i was actually really glad that that happened um i was worried that they were going to i don't know that they that they wouldn't have showed it but they did michael myers killed the little boy and that was in my that was a really a breath of fresh air because that told me okay this movie isn't scared to do that they're trying to up the brutality and to me that was a really great signal yeah Um, i was was gonna ask you you know what were your thoughts on the scene like how did it make you feel i was shocked i didn't think they would do it and show it and i was i thought all right kudos i hated the exposition with the kid i i thought that whole scene was a nightmare but then that right there was like okay redeeming factor and from that point on that's about where the movie started getting really good too i think after that scene is when it really picked up and the tone really it got a bit more atmospheric there's a lot more dread involved a lot more brutality i thought it was very very well done so that that's actually a question i have written down for you so um we saw michael myers kill this pretty young boy um right on camera how come when michael myers saw the baby a baby crying in its crib, he chose to walk away. Do you remember that scene where he, he walked over to the baby? I was wondering, what are they going to do here? Because I can't imagine him killing it, and I can't imagine him not killing it. Because if he's supposed to be an emotionless force of evil, or or at least a, a one who lacks empathy, who's just trying to cause harm, I, I, I don't know what he's going to do. It was weird to me. It seemed like they were trying to send a message out when he chose not to kill the baby. They wrote that in there. This is fiction. They didn't have to have that scene in. And it was kind of weird to me 
I almost felt like the director was overstepping his boundaries, or the, the writer really trying to give us a new insight into Michael Myers. Why didn't he kill the big kid? He, he killed he killed the little boy. He killed anybody else he stumbles upon. But the baby was off limits, and that kind of confused me. Um, I, not because I wanted to see a baby die, <laughs> but because it was strange fuck. that... Yeah, really. It was strange that they didn't... They didn't. First off, it was strange they threw that in there at all. They didn't have to. This is fiction. You can do whatever you want. But it was weird that they threw it in there, and they made Michael watch the kid and then choose to walk away. I think the whole scene, that whole scene was just to lay out a layer of suspense. Like, is he going to kill the baby? Because we just we just saw him kill a little boy. Is he going to take it that far? And it was very confusing because I thought he's going to kill the fucking baby. And it was trying to, like, humanize Michael Myers in in some sort of way because he didn't he didn't kill the uh the mental patients that's i was wondering about that too because i he didn't in the original film either you know like i don't know why that is but that's interesting because maybe there's some partisanship for for his kind or or for the kid it was just strange to me that they introduced the the boy character and he very quickly disposed of him but it, like he like he had a moral dilemma that just seems so out of his character uh, with the baby. I was expecting at most a hard cut where we didn't know what he did. I, I thought that's where the film was going, like away from the scene. I thought but instead that he just been, walked away. I thought that would have been a lot better. Mm. But because I mean, do you agree with me? I think that's that kind of says something about Michael Myers' character. I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about it. Maybe after. After a while, when this film stops being so new, and I can look back at it as part of the series and just kind of think about it, it might make sense, and that's okay. You're allowed to update characters in new movies, sure. That just seemed really risky to me, um, to have him make the choice to walk away when he, when he, you know, um, in cold blood murdered other people in the same house. Um, I might end up liking it. Like, I'm actually neutral on that. Uh, I'm actually neutral on it now that I think about it Um, because it adds firstly it adds an interesting new depth to his character why did he make that choice I'm not I don't think I'm reading into it they wrote that in they wrote that scene in it didn't have to be there he looked at the kid you're right it was very tense and then he walked away right after he killed the boy so that was interesting that was um, and it's way up for interpretation I don't want to make any grandiose claim that there's a bit of humanity in him. No way. I don't want to say that he would have done it. It just wasn't the pragmatic thing to do. I don't know. They just, it happened and I don't know why. I think it was because it wasn't a challenge. Sort of like the predator in a way. Interesting. Like it would have been just too, like he didn't, okay. It was too easy. hmm. Because there's totally like a hierarchy of choice for him. Like he doesn't just massacre everybody on the street. He isolates, he kills, and he is, he is methodical. So in his mind, there are, there are, there, there, there's better and worse, you know? Like he has a gradient of who is worth it and who isn't. So it makes sense to me then that he analyzed, is this worth it? And he said no. Just like he analyzed, are the mental patients worth it? And he apparently said no. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it for both of them. Maybe it's too easy. He, he will... 
first and foremost, the shape, he's a predator. He's he's a beast. You know, primal rage. Just but he I feel like he wants something as you know, he wants he wants a challenge. Not not necessarily because he's really fucking powerful. He just kills everything he comes across. Um and it's you know but the baby too easy you know way too easy uh so yeah but i i love i really love the scene where he's just walking through the neighborhood goes through the back and just the camera just pans and follows him from from behind by the way uh and he just picks up a hammer goes into the kitchen and then you just you hear a scream and you just you just hear you don't see it happening you just hear her skull being caved in and just repetitively just being bashed and then he drops the hammer goes and picks up the kitchen knife with the left hand by the way if you notice um which uh a lot of people were like isn't he right-handed which yes but I, th- I feel like it was like a creative uh, like a creative decision because uh where he was standing it wouldn't have looked right um the like the wall would have like blocked him blocked uh his hand from so um and then how do you, how do you feel about just this this whole this whole thing being just one complete scene it doesn't cut it just it just follows him. You know? That was, in my opinion, the high point of the entire movie. Um, I I have some. We'll get into this in a little bit. I had some qualms about what they did with Laurie Strode's character near the ending, where that whole setting was in her house and she had this little bunker set up. This was what I wanted the movie to be. Like this whole sequence, I really liked it. It felt it felt like I was telling you before, um, in the last episode that we did on Halloween. I wanted this movie to be new and I wanted it to be innovative and I wanted it to retain the essence of what Halloween was. That scene was that exactly. It felt like Halloween. It had the the theme song playing in the background. He was grabbing at the weapons. They had the really neat shots, but it also was very modern. And I thought it was perfect. It was a great scene. It was tense. And the whole time I was thinking, this is what I wanted this to be. And that's one of the highest points of the entire film for me. I thought it was incredibly well done. Um, really well paced uh, and then it just kind of it derailed before that and then afterwards it kind of went downhill but it was still it was still pretty it was still okay you know like I think after that point it's still good but it, it doesn't really live up to that a lot of the scenes that I like in this movie all revolve around Laurie Strode's character um I just really like the way they hand, like they handled her character. It felt right, and yeah, she definitely did uh, carry this film. So did Michael Myers, but it's a Halloween film. Michael Myers is supposed to carry the film, but um, you know, like her backstory and everything. Like she taught her daughter like how to shoot from a very young age, and then you know, government took away her child because she was preparing her for the worst in your like say you had a child and you had something very devastating happen to you 
in your point of view, would you teach your child at a very young age how to handle a weapon, how to survive in this cruel world, or would you would you shield them from this harsh world that we live in? That's a good question. Um, neither. Uh, I, I would get a moderation between both of them. So when you have people, especially parents, who have undergone trauma, um, they kind of have a biased view of the world. Sometimes there's this like enlightenment aspect where, where they think that they saw what the world really was for a moment and that everybody else is delusional and doesn't know how bad it can be. But I disagree with that because there are also people who see how good it can be. And I, I think the truth is there are extremes on both ends of that spectrum. Horrific things can happen and do happen. Um, you know, read up on Richard Ramirez if you don't believe me. And tremendously good things can happen too. So I, I don't think the right thing to do is to rob a kid of one of the purest moments of a life, which is childhood. Um, to prepare them for the evils of the world that they will invariably face at one point to different extents. But what you can do is teach that there's a lot of good and that there's a lot of bad. And that preparation and the ability to straddle between both of them is the optimal thing. But you can't shield them from it. And you also can't make that seem like life is a battleground and you're always being the prey. Like, that isn't the way to do it. Then you get a one-sided view of life. And that was the point. Like, the movie wasn't saying that Laurie Strode was the perfect mother. That wasn't the point. They were showing that she was traumatized and that what happened on, in Haddonfield 40 years ago lasted. It stayed with her. I think that was really well done. And we saw the effect it had on her daughter, who really got a little bit too bubbly and optimistic. And she was saying, well, there's a lot of good in the world. And here were two yeah. extremes of both sides, you know? Okay, and now I'm starting to realize what you meant by like her, her lines were kind of corny and everything they weren't really good like um the world is full of loving people sunshines and rainbows and stuff i'm like yes and no yes and no you definitely see the effects it had on Lori, and the effects it had on her daughter um i love the ptsd moments where you know she's sitting in her car waiting for the bus to to take off to transport michael myers and she sees the shape like a hallucination of the sh of the shape and she fucking screams yeah. and i'm like that's a powerful moment i know? thought it was too i wish they did more with that i don't think the movie played up as much as it could how strong it was for laurie strode to drive out there and watch the bus depart that's huge She's been preparing to face Michael Myers her entire life now. And she decided to drive all the way out there and watch the bus depart. And then she saw the shape and all of that. I just, that, that was a tense moment. And it took a tremendous amount of courage and strength to look this guy in the, not in the eyes, but see the, the silhouette of him. And you're right, she has that PTSD moment where, and don't you, we see him in like the, the in the window for a moment. It was like a, a, that was a hallucination. Hallucination. Yeah, I just thought that was that part was really well done. I thought that was pretty cool. So, what were your thoughts on the uh, the babysitter scene? I, I actually really liked it. You did, you didn't feel like you didn't feel like it was tacked on or anything like I that. I actually no, I felt, and I, I realize I don't think many people are in this camp with me. I thought the humor was really well executed. The relationship between the kid and the girl was like. In, like that's hard to do. I, I've seen horror movies try to incorporate humor, 
they do not pull it off. This was actually really well done, and frankly better than the original. Like I told you, I don't like the dialogue between the teenagers in the original film. It's really cheesy. This wasn't campy at all. It really felt real, it felt raw, and it made the scene um, when Myers finally came to the home incredibly intense in a way that not many of the other scenes actually were. I thought it worked really well, and I thought it was kind of a... It made me feel a little bit more like I was watching a Halloween film, especially coming off that scene where he was wandering the streets. I really liked it. I thought it was another high point of the movie. I did too. I, I just I really liked the dialogue between, you know, the little kid. Mm-hmm. He he was probably one of my favorite characters. You know, his dialogue is just is just so like humorous and um just well executed, you know. Clipping my dirty ass toenails when I'm supposed to be in bed and stuff yeah, like that. That was like, genuinely I, funny. I did I not expect to actually laugh in a Halloween 2018 movie. Like I, I thought that was really well done. I know, I know you smoke. You're gonna be smoking weed. I'm gonna tell my parents. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell your mom uh, about your was it web browser history. <laughs> He's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and that's believable. So now we're at the big grand finale where Michael Myers versus Laurie Strode finally hits the big screen. And, you know, her whole house has this elaborate, like, you know, secret little panic shelter underneath her uh, kitchen uh, table. She just presses a button and the table moves. I thought that was pretty cool. But... I'm thinking to myself as I'm like seeing like all the functions and stuff in her house I'm wondering like where the fuck did she get the money for this but then it kind of like dwelled on me um her dad was a real estate agent and I'm kind of thinking maybe she got the money from that Mm -hmm. yeah maybe so that's a good point because she she, she's pretty high tech right I mean she's got a panic shell bumper uh bunker like underneath her kitchen a lot of um, guns yeah, and all of her doors, she can pull a lever and have a big metal cage drop to make sure nobody can go back inside of that room, which was interesting to me. Like, I had to suspend some disbelief with with her house, but if anybody prepped a house like that, I guess it would be Laurie Strode, um, a survivor of Michael Myers, you know? I, I think that makes sense. I, I thought it was cool. She clearly thought through, like, if he breaks in and when he breaks in, I can put my family downstairs in that little bunker and as i'm sweeping the house every time i clear a room i can drop a cage i can drop the the metal doorway to make sure nobody can get back in that was kind of cool that she anticipated sweeping the house to make sure he can't hide anywhere i thought that was very neat yeah and it kind of um goes to show you know the prey has now become the predator Mm -hmm. and that that whole sense you know now this this big bear is going into a lioness's den and you know doesn't know the lay of the land doesn't know what's gonna happen but i just i love the whole scene the intense emotional scene where you know michael myers appears and kills the husband you know peanut butter on the penis husband um (laughs) she she locks the door and everything and then tells her daughter to you know run down like run down to the the bunker you just go baby go just that scene is just like it's so intense and emotional i'm just 
sitting there like oh my god i'm, I'm freaked out I'm, I'm pumped i'm ready you know very emotional and she like stands like in front of the door waiting for him to appear and she has a shotgun in hand waiting for that sucker to appear all of a sudden you see his hands just pop through the the window and grab her by that uh by the head and just starts lifts her up and starts squeezing she like shoots uh the shotgun makes him drop her um and then she goes she she goes to shoot him again but he grabs he grabs the barrel of the shotgun and she shoots it again and it, it tears off his pinky and uh ring finger that 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 what were you, like what were you expecting from this scene like what were you feeling uh what were your thoughts did you think that Lori Strove was gonna die and what were your thoughts on Michael Myers losing some fingers I I liked how one thing they carried over was you know the eye being half closed because he was stabbed remember that um you're talking about how in the poster his eye was kind of like that I like the idea that he's collecting injuries that he can kind of go out in the world, do his thing, and get minimal harm done, but there are some scars left over. And it's interesting, if they do move forward and do another one, it's kind of cool that he'll be collecting, you know, markers about, like, oh, that's when Laurie Strode blew off, you know, part of his hand, and then the other one, that's when she got him in the eye in 40 years ago. I thought that's kind of cool. I, I knew that at that point she wasn't going to die because she was a main character, and this didn't seem like the climax that the movie was building up to. But I didn't expect her to actually significantly harm this figure who survived, you know, several bullets to the chest and a fall off the balcony. And, and got hit by these... a car. Seriously, yeah. So I thought that was, um, that made sense. If anybody was actually going to do lasting damage, it made sense that it would be Laurie Strode's character. Um, just because of the kind of the lore of the original film. But, I mean, that also, like we were talking about before in our um, What Makes Horror Movies Scary episode, I was saying how significant it is when you spontaneously kill off important characters. That actually makes films tense. When you don't do that and there's always a last second saving grace, it just drains all dread out of the film and it gets very boring because you don't expect anything significant to ever happen to anybody. And if you do, it's a, you can see it a million miles off. The fact that um, she actually did damage to him kind of opened up the doorway for me thinking, okay, people are going to get hurt here. It isn't just like a two invincible people fight and we just watch them struggle for a bit, but nothing happens. It's like, okay, they're going to get hurt. Like that's a significant part of this film. So I thought it was well done. It was cool to introduce that whole conflict by him getting part of his hand blown off. Um, and then that kind of went into, like you were talking about before, that hunter becomes a hunted when she's walking through the house and she's planned everything out she has it mapped out she's got traps and everything down i thought that was really well done because now he's injured he's leaving a trail of blood everywhere he goes and he's hiding i i thought that was pretty pretty well done i don't remember specifically when allison makes it to the house but i do know that she does eventually while was it Laurie Strode? Is, Michael Myers finally broke into her house, and now Laurie Strode is hunting, and Michael Myers has now become the hunted. And uh, I just this whole entire scene of her just going through one room to the next, 
pulling levers. I thought that was really cool, very intense, kept me at the edge of my seat. Everything was dark, and um, I'm just waiting for Michael Myers to to like pop up. But then it got me thinking. He's injured right now. He's waiting for the right time to strike. He's also hiding, you know, because she's she's got a gun, you know, a really big, powerful gun that will probably put an end to him. I one specific part of this scene is I love it when she goes into this into the specific room and apparently Michael Myers took the mannequins that she used for target practice and brought it all the like all of them into this room I'm thinking how the fuck did you get the time to do that yeah and that that's another scene like the the little jack-o'-lantern made out of the officer where it's like okay I guess it's cool to just see it but when you think about him actually like setting together all of these elaborate sets like it's kind of like i don't know if i can watch him you know carrying all of these um shooting dummies in both hands and hauling them up into the second floor and i don't know but it was cool it was cool when she was in the room just doing work you know (laughs) yeah um uh i do believe allison ends up in the bunker with her mom and uh you know they're they're hiding out and you hear footsteps and things are getting intense and i'm i'm thinking oh my god he's he's going to find them he's going to like this is this is it this is going to happen you know and all of a sudden you, you know you you hear like michael like pressing up against the the table what were like how how are you feeling to this scene? Like, I was I was really wondering where they were gonna go with that because I can't imagine Michael's pushing a button and then it's like oh it opens. I knew it was gonna be a little bit more dramatic and heavy hitting than that. So when he was stomping around, I felt like you could kind of f- see him figure out that the floorboards were hollow, and then he kind of got curious, so he started pulling up on things in the kitchen. I don't. Th- what I think how he knew was uh, when Lori was down in the bunker and he was moving about, she shot through the floorboards. Oh, right, right. So. And when he, he kind of pulled up the island that was on top of it, I, was thinking, I thought that was pretty cool. I was thinking, how is he going to do this? It, you know, and he does. He, he fucking lifts that thing. That, that thing must weigh like over 200 pounds or something like that i don't don't fucking know it's just a really heavy thing you know bolted in and he's just he he, after a few pushes and tugs and you know finally freaking breaks the thing and you know i love how you know he like he doesn't immediately go in uh and uh you know Lori's daughter tricks Michael Myers. You want to talk yeah. about that for a second? That was pretty cool. So I kind of bought it too because it seemed in line with her character for her to have kind of a breakdown because she was aiming the rifle up, um, up at Michael's at this point and she started screaming that she couldn't do it and she was calling out for her mom and she seemed like all that training and all the trauma that she'd been put through. Now she's back in the basement that Lori had trained her in that she was so horrified of. 
and she just was acting like she was helpless. She couldn't do it. She was having a breakdown. And then Myers, I guess he was going to go down anyways, but it kind of seemed like she baited him down there, like she was helpless, and it was prime time that he'd go down and attack. And then she basically said, nope, no way. <laughs> gotcha. I am ready. Yeah, and then she she pulls the trigger, and I, I thought she was a fairly weak character, but given that kind of messy exposition for her, that was a really nice way to kind of tidy it up. And So I can't remember how specific, like, did they did he like fall into the basement or i'm trying to remember that too she pulled the trigger i know at one point lori shot at him right? oh didn't she oh, shoot at him from the yeah, other side she, of the kitchen she okay so she uh appears says happy halloween michael uh i think she stabs him or something and then throws him into the basement or he falls into the basement or something i, I can't i can't remember all i know I is he ends up in the basement and now the daughter and the granddaughter have to make their way up they they escape his grasp and michael gets up and Lori presses a button and these bars just appear they well they don't appear they they spring up and basically it's not you know what you thought it was it wasn't a bunker it was a cage mm -hmm. and one thing i like about that is that made me look at the other uh, metal doors a bit differently it wasn't that she knew that she could lure michael down into the basement and then trap him she didn't know when it would happen but she knew at one point it would be possible so she had metal bars in every single room of her house so no matter what room she ended up finding him in, she could close him in. And then she could use her next little trick, which was having these little gas... Um, gas lines. Yeah, playing out over hot irons that would turn on in every room of the house, which made me wonder why they were standing there so long watching him. But <laughs> so the whole, all the rooms started uh, basically catching on fire. And one thing I liked is that he didn't really move. He stood there and watched them for a while as the basement really started catching on fire. And he just kind of stared at him like he wasn't moving. He wasn't trying to get out. It was the same very like slow, eerie behavior that he had in the first film. And I thought that was pretty cool. If I, if I saw that happen in real life, I would shit myself. Like, yeah, it's absolutely. not enough. Like throw a grenade in there, like light yeah. him up with a flamethrower or something. Like, no calling an air force bombing napalm whatever you name it <laughs> um so they get out of the house you don't even see michael myers burn yeah because it goes back it, it, it plays back into another shot of the basement and he's not standing there anymore you just see a bunch of flames but we can't see his figure there anymore and that's vague we don't know what that means I know exactly what that means. So let's let's get there. Let's build there. Um, they they find a they kind of hitchhike. They stop a pickup truck on the road. They all load up in the back, and that's kind of it. Like it ends there, and except for what you want to tell us. So I decided to make it you know my task to watch the whole film, the whole film including the credits. 
because there was no way in how like like I, I you know just it was a special moment and I knew there was going to be something I don't know I didn't know what so there's no extra scene or anything like that there's only one small little detail if you stay at the end of the credits you can hear Michael Myers breathing and that just goes to show that he is still alive he is still out there and they're already writing for the sequel they're already oh, doing they? it I didn't know about that I wanted to tell awesome. you I wanted to tell you so bad but I had to keep hush hush until you watch the film hmm. um, so they're already they're already doing it Laurie Shro- or Jamie Lee Curtis is <laughs> like down for it and everything even though she said you know goodbye Laurie Strode but she's down for it apparently so I'm ready for another Halloween movie I want yeah, it. I, I want to see what he looks like after after the, the injuries he incurred in this one. I think that's pretty cool. Like, so he most definitely did survive. How do you think he escaped? I have no idea. Um, my only... He didn't get through the metal bars. I'm thinking maybe the flame made the wood really... It was all wood. So maybe the flames made the wood weak enough that he could punch through, break through... Maybe I doubt there's a window down there. I highly doubt that. No, there um, isn't. Lori did shoot through the floorboards. Maybe, maybe he started tearing down the the charred wood, and climbed out that way. I'm not really sure. Um, probably has something to do with fire. I don't know. He 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 was just standing in the flames. Like he doesn't scream when he's shot. He doesn't like. I feel like he's on somewhat of a mission and he just goes through whatever he needs to go through to get that done so i i feel like he probably climbed out i it, for the second one i bet there will be some explanation but i doubt they'll go too far into it i feel like it's kind of left up to interpretation um but that's cool i mean th- they didn't do anything any more risky than in the first film after he basically sucked up an entire magazine of a revolver and then lived so I think they were trying to do the same thing. Like, against all odds, he's still going. And that's that's pretty, I think that's a neat idea. Mm-hmm.